HealthWise. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Thomas. And this is Sarah. Hey, guys. You know, like most people out there, we try to do our best to stay healthy, keep our family healthy, and of course, a big part of that is watching what we eat. You know, trying to eat healthy, naturally fo- natural foods as much as possible. And it's you know getting harder and harder to do. It's a virtual chem lab every time you go to the store now. Um, most people, I don't think, look at the labels anymore. I think they've reached a point where they're afraid to look at the labels. Or it's so bad that if they do look at the labels, they won't even understand what they're reading. They think they need a chemistry degree or something. And they do. Yeah. And, of course, we're going to be talking about ingredients. Uh, we may mention them, some ingredients on this show to be wary of uh, and in the future. Right now, we're going to tell you about a mistake we made, a big one. Sometimes we slip up and make mistakes. Our recent mistake dealt with our our recent burritos we made. We decided to uh, try out a new recipe, a recipe which required taco sauce. Now, we try to do everything homemade, but once in a while we get lazy or we're in a hurry. And we go to the store and we scavenge the stores to see what we can find that, you know, is close to being all natural or, or, or all natural, organic if possible. And we found some tomato some tomato sauce, a leading brand, which we were surprised at how nice the ingredients were. And we were in for a surprise after we ate it. We thought we were getting some good stuff. Let me just read off these ingredients. It's really quick. And that's another thing that caught our eye. You know, they didn't have a lot of ingredients. The ingredients reads tomato, tomato puree, which is water and tomato paste, water, corn syrup, and notice that's not even high fructose corn syrup. That's just regular unmodified corn syrup, distilled vinegar, salt, modified cornstarch, spices, paprika, citric acid, green chili powder, and onion powder. Well, we read that and we thought, that is just great. I mean, you can't hardly beat that. Well, guess what? We woke up with, like, migraines the next morning. Yeah, we felt awful. Yeah, we were washed out. And we've got a, I guess we could call a source a source who is in the know, and someone who could tell us about this particular company and about this set of ingredients. Uh, we we don't like to use anonymous sources usually. We like to use people who will go on the record with their names because we don't feel like we're doing a lot of good, but frankly, this person is not ready to be exposed yet, so you're just going to have to take our word for it this time. Of all those ingredients we listed off earlier, one of the ingredients was spices. Now, interestingly enough, besides spices, we have paprika, chili powder, onion powder, and so forth. Now, if they've got the spices listed, why do they need the word spices? Well, that's a little word game they play. Sarah, can you tell us how they define the word, quote, spices, what that means? Sure. You see, we looked this up, and anything can go into spices if its source is originally from vegetable. Now, what you and me see as from vegetable is different as from what these chemical companies and the FDA sees as a vegetable. Yeah, like, for instance, MSG comes originally from a vegetable before it gets to the chem lab. Exactly. And so does high fructose corn syrup. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it can be classified as a spice as long as it came from a vegetable 
at some point, at any point,、mm-hmm. and as long as it doesn't add to the nutritional value of the food, that, that's actually spelled out. It can't be. It can't have a nutritional yeah, value. Yeah, it's part of the word games that the FDA and these food companies play to deceive us. And in this case,、uh, spices is a a list of forty-two, and I repeat, forty-two chemicals. And instead of listing forty-two chemicals, which would have taken three or four pages, and you know they would have had to like. Had one of those trifold things attached to the bottle, you know, th- yeah, three or four pages that pulled out. They just put all the chemicals that would have scared the hell out of you under the heading spices. And they could have put hundreds. I mean, they actually could have done that. It's incredible. You mean when you break down all the other ingredients, the war games? Yeah, but in any other product where they put spices, they have an option of like almost unlimited amounts of chemicals that they can put、mm-hmm. under the name spices. And We we strongly suspect. I don't think we asked our source this question, but under under the ingredients,、uh, one of them is modified cornstarch. Well, you see, when they put the word modified in front of the word cornstarch, what that means is is well, it, it originally some part of it, some trace amount was cornstarch at one time. So what they could do is they can create a chemical vat, put a spoon of cornstarch in it. And then it's modified cornstarch because what's derived from it was was at one time cornstarch, or at least these are the word games that they play. Yeah. You know, it's 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 all about deceiving you. So just be on alert when you see the word spices, especially beside other spices which are actually spelled out like paprika. That that is a red flag, and I think they did that to be deceptive. Like they put the word spices beside paprika, so you think, oh yeah, spices like paprika. It it. It's really meant to trick you. It is extremely deceptive. This is going to seem a little bit silly, but I'm, I'm, I've got somewhere to go with this. I hope most of our listeners have seen the original Batman movie. You know, the one with Michael Keaton taking on the Joker, and the Joker was the、uh, chemical expert, the bad guy who always came up with bad chemicals. And I think in that original Batman movie, Hollywood was was trying to send us a warning. A warning about something we've known about a long time. A warning that there really is a conspiracy to, well, hurt our health and dumb us down chemically by the elites, and it's it's all leading towards to to dumb the American people down, to weaken them, to get them ready for the new world order, to get them for the North American Union, like the European Union. To get us ready for that world government that they've got planned, and you can read about it at the Trilateral Commission.、Um, what was that other one? Council of Foreign Relations. I mean, you, th- this stuff is planned, and they're they're just rubbing it in our faces in the movies and stuff. But every once in a while, we get mov- a movie like Batman that, that sends us a warning. In the movie, no one product was deadly, and you could take any one product any one time, and it wouldn't phase you. It tested safe, just like everything you find in the grocery store. But in the movie, there were weird combinations that, if taken, especially to, if taken over time, would be fatal. Like, for instance,、um, in the Batman movie, lipstick wasn't fatal, nor was hairspray. But, lips, but lipstick mixed with hairspray, mixed with deodorant over an extended period of time, was fatal. Well, that's the way it's working. You know, you get this food with one heavy metal, food with another heavy metal, and then you get another chemical in a food that that binds the two together and gives them a greater effect in the body. And we've been studying this stuff long enough to know that this is all part of the plan. And you combine that with fluoride and chlorine in the water, and you have a very sinister, sick cocktail, which explains why our, in part, why our education and our level of intelligence in the United States is just not on par with. What it was in previous generations, it's it's sabotage, it's treason. It's like what's happening with the economy now. You know, most people haven't really connected the dots. It's high treason what's going on. These car companies are not being paid to survive. These car companies are being paid off to commit suicide. Nobody's noticed the pattern yet. Well, I can't say nobody's noticed, but, but very few people have.、Yeah. But these car companies are being paid to sell out and die. And it's it's just that simple. It's it's treason. So what we're talking about in the foods here, it's it, it's not far fetched. It's not crazy conspiracy stuff here. Well, it is crazy and it is conspiracy, but we're not crazy when we say it. Yeah,、uh, just want to go back to the foods for just a second. But the problem here too is that there's a very little, a very lack of traceability. 
You see, if somebody drank a glass of water with chlorine in it and all of a sudden they got cancer, well, there'd be no traceability, well, there'd be massive amounts of traceability that you could conclusively prove that once a person drank that water, they would get cancer. But you can't prove as easily that if someone's been drinking this water for 20 years and then they get cancer, that it was the water that they were drinking that caused it. And that's one of the problems that we're encountering today. Yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked with fluoride. We never meant to cover that one. But um, it was used by the Nazis to create passive behavior, to suppress their enemies. Like they would go in, they would take over a region where they would fluoridate all the water, and people would become very, very passive. Yeah. They, they would, it, would, it would not only dumb them down, and fluoride does dumb a person down, but it actually made them more passive. So that pretty much no matter what was done to them, they would not fight back. And fluoride, even in low doses, has that effect on people, not to mention cancer and other issues. But, um, you know, when we're talking about the water and the food and so forth, and, and we're as guilty of this as anybody else that are reporting on health issues, we tend to focus on how it affects the body. We, we don't usually talk about how it affects the mind, but these toxins do have a dual effect. Almost all of them do affect the mind equally, and in many cases more so than the actual body. Yeah. Like with heavy metals. I mean, take Alzheimer's. It's a man-made disease. Mm -hmm. It didn't used to exist. What they're trying to say now is that Alzheimer's is really dementia renamed. That We've always had it. Mm -hmm. That's not true. You can look up Alzheimer's. You can look up dementia. You can compare it. They are completely different diseases. And dementia didn't, didn't happen in these explosive numbers that they're happening now. I mean, at no time in history has it been like this. Yeah, well, it's just like autism is the same way. You yeah, know? heavy metal poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about SIDS. SIDS was something I actually haven't, hadn't actually heard of until I came to the United States. And that's sudden infant death syndrome, for those who aren't aware, often happens to babies who just appear to just die suddenly with no explanation like that's normal in some way well the medical establishment is treating it like it is just normal and random yeah like your baby could just just die in his sleep and they treat that like it's no big deal isn't it incredible it, it is well it's been a long time i think it was way back in like the 1950s when it was really discovered what the true cause is but it's been suppressed because now sarah you know the doctors wouldn't suppress something if it could save their patients' lives. That's true. That's true. They would, they'd never do that. Yeah, these scientists only have the best interests of the consumers at yes. hand. The consumer, not, not the citizens, the consumers. but the consumers. Yeah, yes. that's right. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> the real cause of SIDS is a vitamin C deficiency or an ascorbate deficiency. And that's been long, long since known. And you can look this up. There's been Nobel Prize winners who have announced that without vitamin C, a child will die. And it's not just important that you give your child vitamin C, folks. It's important that the actual the mother, before she has the child, is constantly getting vitamin C. This is something that we used to get as a staple of the diet, but it's been processed out just like everywhere else. It's not in our soils as much anymore. Well, don't the doctors say that the vitamins just give you yellow, expensive urine? That's right. That's so, so they're good for. Well, they went to war with chiropractors over the vitamin C thing, didn't they? I I think so. That's ancient history. That's back when they were like, they like allowed people to use colloidal silver. You know, it wasn't <laughs> an illegal substance back then. But yeah, I think it was the chiropractors that came out saying that um, vitamin C is good for you, and you know. <laughs> that was just insane. That was insane. They they uh, they may have actually arrested some over that. I'd have to dig up the the old data to try to figure that out. Probably. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. So, SIDS is a vitamin C deficiency problem. Yes, no child has ever died of sudden infant death syndrome who has not been deficient of vitamin C in every single case. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, these doctors who, who made these revelations about vitamin C did their own studies on their patients, and none of their patients ever died of SIDS, ever. That's it. It's one single vitamin that's that important, especially in the early years. Yeah. Well, you know, if they could patent vitamin C, you know, suddenly it would be the, the cure, wouldn't it? You'd, you'd have it at every CVS pharmacy and every Walgreens. Well, I'm not sure. They'd have to make it less effective first. That way you have to get a higher dosage. 
Yeah, you yeah. have to become a pe- perpetual customer, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Which is uh, also on the subject of babies. Well, I wanted to, to say how we strongly recommend against making your infant or child a vegan or vegetarian. Folks, if you do that, it's just plain wrong, okay? Kids need as much nutrition and as much protein as they possibly can get. And no kid, no kid at all, ever, should be on a fat-limiting diet. I mean, it's ridiculous. They need fats. They need proteins. And uh, I don't know. It's just... I get frustrated just thinking about it. But a lot of these parents who are trying to make their children vegan or vegetarian are using soy milk instead of real milk. And, um, Sarah, go ahead. You you researched into this one. Yeah. Well, they're using soy milk and soy proteins and soy formulas instead of actually having real proteins. Now, it's one thing to get organic meats to avoid some of the more dangerous parts of modern meats with their nitrates, but it's something completely different to give them soy. I'm not going to hold back on this one. Soy is a poisonous product. No one should eat soy. Yeah, now now people are going to be saying, whoa, 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 crazy girl here. What they don't realize is it's been processed and treated to neutralize its poison in its natural state, you know, growing in the ground. It's poisonous, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And most modern soy foods aren't fermented the way they used to be, like over in China back in the day, that neutralize the poisons out of them. It's not the same thing. I mean, and all tofu in this country, 100% of tofu is genetically modified. Well, I'm sure the chemical industry has come up with a good solution to that, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, when you see some of these stories, I'm sure that some of you have seen them, where a so-called health nut has been starving their child and the child died of malnutrition and had to be taken away. In every case, you'll also find that they were feeding their child soy. And the reason that this child or baby was dying of malnutrition or did die of malnutrition is because soy inhibits your absorption of minerals and vitamins and some of the most important ones, vitamin B12 and magnesium and copper and iron. And not to mention they're not getting the the proteins they would be getting out of milk and meat that they're actually supposed to eat as an infant or young child. Exactly. And people assume this soy is healthy because it's eaten in Japan and China in these like huge quantities. And that's just not true. It's in the movies, but it's not true. On average, the person over in China uses about two teaspoons of soy a day. It's used as a garnish. It's not used instead of regular proteins. They eat huge amounts of meats and proteins, and they don't use soy as one of those proteins. Now, Sarah, now, I used to watch Kung Fu Theater every Saturday, (laughs) and, and all the Kung Fu masters would have these banquets with tofu. So... I mean, you telling me it's not true? I am. I am. Yeah, they can't jump over houses either. But oh, okay. So it was. So tofu was more of a condiment than a staple of the meal. Well, they don't eat tofu at all. They eat soy over okay. there in as a garnish, but they don't actually eat to- tofu over in China. Uh huh. That is a almost exclusively American uh-huh. form of soy that is genetically modified and dangerous. Yeah, but I think there's this there's this mythology that as long as the Oriental peoples are doing it, it must be more healthy in some way, and and that is true a lot of the time, but not everything they do is better. Yeah. I mean, it's like like for instance, I don't know how many generations they've been using rapeseed oil over there. Yeah, and so they get like huge cases of lung cancer even though they don't smoke. Yeah, from the, the poisonous fumes coming off of it, which, which, by the way, is another side effect of canola oil. Yes, it is. Uh, which is derived from rapeseed. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend copying that practice either. Yeah. But the soy, the soy foods and the way they cause deficiency, both in adults and in children, will cause you huge problems. I mean, it's said to prevent osteoporosis, and that's like a, a lie. I mean, that's the only way I can say it. It, in fact, makes it worse because it inhibits your absorption of calcium and vitamin D. Do you have any idea what it is they actually do to soy to make it safe enough to eat? Not really. I know they used to uh, ferment it to get the toxins out, but they don't do that anymore. And so I do know that in their processing plants, it actually gets mixed up with aluminum 
And oh, so yeah. when you eat soy, you actually take in heavy amounts of aluminum, a heavy metal that will, again, dumb you down. Yeah, help you with that Alzheimer's case. Yeah, and it's really telling that, that the groups like the FDA and all, all these different American health organizations push soy as like a, a health food? Yeah, yeah, the same way they do. And again, um, I don't know if we mentioned this before in this episode or not, but that's something we're going to get into and eventually, is that these groups which are protecting us are part of elitist circles, secretive elitist circles. Oh, yeah. And there's a tie-in with occult and satanic religions. And we're going to be talking about that in the future. It's going to be really hard-hitting stuff. But for now, it's, let's just suffice to say that they don't have our best interest at heart. They really are trying to poison us, to dumb us down, to sicken us, to make us a weak people overall. It is extremely sinister, and I think we'll probably end up having to spend an entire show on that uh, one of these days. Mm-hmm. There's just one last thing that I'd like to mention in the area of soy, and that's that women in particular should avoid it. Soy directly attacks the thyroid. It is known to do so, and when you combine that with the fluoride that most people have in their water, you've got a very dangerous combination leading to epidemics like hypothyroidism, which will cause obesity and will cause like a permanent state of PMS. And uh, there are many other things. There are many other things that it's been known to cause, especially in children. Megadoses of phytoestrogens in soy formula have been implicated in the current trend towards increasingly premature sexual development in girls and delayed or retarded sexual development in boys. Well, we're going to start this section talking about the CPS, or Child Protective Services. It's a phrase that strikes fear in the hearts of parents everywhere, all across America. One need only utter Child Protective Services, or CPS, for people to have their hearts skip a beat or two. I I frankly think of them as baby snatchers, although from time to time they do save someone's life, they do do a good job, but more often than not, I think, well, they make their living snatching babies. Yeah, I think they do much more harm than good, personally, and they have the incentive to take, you know, families or what, well, split families up. Yeah, because isn't their funding attributed in part to how many cases they have yeah. per year. So the more families they can destroy, the the more money their their agency brings in that year. Exactly. Or for next year's budget. Oh, isn't it great? Well, Sarah, it's getting easier and easier to meet these people, these fine people with Child Protective Services. Do you know what is becoming the easiest way now? Um... I would guess uh, denying medical treatment. That's right. That's, yeah, that's what it is. When you seek alternatives, that that's child abuse, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, yes, as, as you're alluding to, Sarah, one of the easiest way to meet them nowadays is taking your child to the doctor. <laughs> uh, seriously, folks, uh, all jokes aside, if your child is deathly ill, you do run a risk taking your child to the doctor because once he's there he's under their jurisdiction if you decide not to do it their way and you're not lucky they can come after you they can split your family up and it's happening more and more as basically the medical establishment and the state are growing unchecked in their power yeah reaching into people's lives like that and you really need to think about it. If you have kids, <laughs> this is definitely a, a good time to start researching into the alternatives. Because otherwise, if you work with the system, well, you'll be working with the system, in fact, to a point whether you like it or not, at some point. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't say that as well as I should have, but I think I probably made my point. Yes, you did. Um, anyway, as people are probably guessing, our, our discussion about Child Protective Services and doctor intervention into families was prompted by the case of Daniel Halzer. As most people know, he and his mother went out on the lam. They fled from the law because their doctor was so enraged by his mother's, the boy's mother questioning him and seeking alternatives that they actually took the child to court. 
Actually, that should began legal proceedings against the child and his mother. Yes, because the child didn't want it either. The, the parents just decided to support him. Yeah, they decided to back him up. Uh, and that was medical neglect? Yeah, that was child abuse. Uh-huh. That they, they were trying to help him seek out alternatives first. Uh-huh. Yeah, and as usually the, is the case in, in such cases, the media is having a circus, a heyday with it. You're not getting many facts, but you're getting a lot of emotion, a lot of propaganda. And as is usually the case, they're presenting the people, or the, the family in question, as religious fanatics. They're framing it as a religious issue. In the beginning of the court case, I think the boy and his mother tried to do that. I don't really believe for one minute that they're following a Native American religion. I mean, I don't have a problem with it if they did, not not personally. But um, I don't believe for one minute. I think that was just their way to try to invoke the Bill of Rights. But, But the thing is, they shouldn't have to invoke the Bill of Rights. To make choices about their own health care. Yeah, it's like it's, a, it's like a fundamental right that you have the choice to choose what you want to do. It's medical freedoms, you know, and f- personal freedoms of choice. That you know, the boy's 13 years old. There's lots of rights that he would get. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. But if he were older, but since he isn't older, it's his parents who have the final decision. But yet that was taken away from them. Yes. Here. Um, if if a prisoner were treated this way, it would be considered cruel and unusual punishment. Yes, it would. There, there would be serious grounds for a serious lawsuit. And at 13 years old, as a society, we'll still sentence kids of that age to life imprisonment without parole. Uh-huh. Yeah, he doesn't have the right to choose his own, his own medical treatment. He doesn't have a right to argue with the doctor. Yes. The doctor is like God. Yeah. And I'm sure this is how the doctor sees himself. I'm, I, am, I am bothered by the fact that they, the media has used this as a way to attack religion again to mock religion. Usually it's the Christians that they go after, and I think they f- they actually found a way to go after Christians, even in this case, didn't they? Yeah, they, they? did, because uh, Daniel and his parents were uh, admitted to being a Roman Catholic. I say admitted like it's something bad, but... <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably what the media said. The media probably said they admitted <laughs> yeah. they were Catholic. Yeah, and so that's been used by so-called scientific groups uh-huh. you know, to say how bad they are because they're just religious fanatics. Just read Christian mm. whenever you see that. Well, th- that's a double whammy. They, they they have faith and they believe in alternative medicine works. I mean, that, that's like the double whammy there, isn't it? And they're homeschooling. That's another terrible thing, too. Oh, my too. gosh. Oh my. You know, you know they, they're probably on the terror watch list. But, you know, they you probably are on a no-flight list. I, I, I'll bet you money they are. If mm-hmm. we had some way to verify, I would make you a bet. Yeah. They are on the terror list. Homeschool, natural medicine, um, religious. I mean, they, they've got the big three, don't they? They do. They're, they're about as bad as we are. Uh-huh. One thing you may notice from these cases is whenever the parents try to fight it, you know, being the, the, the actual legal authority in place, the parents, they try to remove that. Now, if the boy needs treatment, let's, let's, let me just play the devil's advocate pretend like he really needs this treatment and they're going to force him to get this treatment because he needs it so badly why does he have to be pulled out of his house why does he have to be separated from his parents is where's the benefit there is no benefit for the child it's it's revenge yes it is revenge it is like imposing fear on people like if if you defy us we'll split your family up we'll take your children away we'll take your children we will make an example of you so that other parents will be afraid. This this has far more, this has far bigger implications than just a 13-year-old with cancer. Yes, it does. I mean, and people need to really be paying attention to this case. Anyway, before well, in fact, wasn't it the uh, parents were I'm sorry, the doctors were angry mm-hmm. when the judge decided to allow the parents to keep the child when the parents had said, "Okay, we'll, we'll let you do the chemotherapy." The doctors were angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mom said, "Okay, you win. We'll obey." And, and there's really no other word to put for it. She, she, she submitted. She said she would obey the doctor like he was God, and that wasn't good enough. They were still angry. They didn't split the family up. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's not, there's no, re- there's no excuse for that. It's about a vendetta. It's exactly what it, it is. It is a vendetta. Like, they had the nerve to question the doctors and the medical establishment. And they expect to keep their family intact uh-huh. after doing that. Yeah. I mean, this is sick. Using using children to punish people, and and for what? 
arguing with the doctor, mm-hmm. saying they're going to, and and they never said they wouldn't go through the chemo. What they said was they're going to try the alternatives better, because First. the alternatives are safer. And and what good parent wouldn't want to try something that that's safer first when you've got three to six years and and that's one of the things they didn't tell you this kid's not about to fall over any minute he's got between three and six years before he's in real trouble and that's plenty of time to try an alternative therapy and just see if it works you yeah know. if it does it's cheap there are no long-term effects from natural therapies I mean, it's no bad ones. Yeah, there's no, there's no serious side effects. There's really no reason. But what the doctor did, and this is common, is he didn't even give a half truth. He gave a, a small fraction, maybe a sixteenth of the truth in the case. And if I were the judge in the case hearing this small fraction of the truth that the doctor gave, I might have to decide the same way. I would think this kid's in real trouble without the doctor. What the doctor told the the judge, the court, and what was later relayed to the American public was that there was roughly a 90% chance the kid was going to die without chemo and radiation. Okay? <laughs> now, now, the doctor flipped the result and said roughly the opposite if he didn't get it. The doctor roughly said that there would be about a 90% chance that the kid would die without chemo and radiation, and there would be about a 90% chance he would live if he got with chemo. Mm-hmm and radiation and it sounds grand doesn't it? it sounds like the doctor had the kids best interest at heart um i don't think it's so N- not only from you know the, the whole tendency to want revenge but just from the facts of it and it's something we wrote about and i'm going to relay those facts to you here here is what the doctor and the media didn't tell us the rest the, the 15th 16th of the truth that they didn't tell us yeah that's more like it uh-huh the remaining life for someone diagnosed with a slow-moving Hodgkin's disease or cancer averages about three years counting the elderly with no treatments whatsoever. So for a young 13-year-old boy such as Daniel, who's in good health at the moment and feeling good, um, that ranges from about three to six years before he's in real danger. This gives the Hauser family a great deal of time to explore less horrific health therapies, unless, of course, the real goal is to prevent the high-profile embarrassment of him being cured by alternative methods. And at this point, it would be a tremendous blow to the establishment if that happened. And I think that has a lot to do with why they're playing it the way they're playing it. I think it does, too. This could be a real embarrassment to them. Children who are, quote, successfully, and, and, and I use this word loosely, successfully, treated for Hodgkin's disease are 18 times more likely to later develop secondary malignant tumors. Chemotherapy and radiation actually stimulate cancers, and they've known this since like the 40s. It's what some people call creating lifetime consumers of their treatments. <laughs> the phrase successful treatment, that's a quote, successful treatment, has been redefined. There's another re- redefinition, kind of like what the FDA does, mm-hmm. to mean no tumors for five years. Now, you can die on your sixth year, the sixth year. But as long as you've made it for five years without a tumor, you've had a, quote, successful treatment. You've been a success. Meaning, even though you're dead from the cancer, they've counted you as a success in their statistics, that 90% of survivors. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same way in their studies. You know, they put in medical journals. If, if one of their patients dies too soon in one of their studies, then that patient has a special name they call non-evaluable. That means that they don't count. They just they just remove the numbers they don't like. Yes, that's they, that's the way their science works. Exactly. They just are, are the ones that, that that live longer, but then die later on from the same cancer or a cancer caused by the treatments. They they don't count those either. No. That was a success. Yeah, or, or a new new cancer or, or new disease altogether. You know, it's crazy. Or, or diabetes caused by chemo. Uh huh. Yeah. Iatrogenic deaths, meaning deaths caused by doctors are the third leading cause of deaths in the United States, according to the medical establishment's own statistics. We've actually looked these things up. Death by doctor is so common that they've actually come up with a word for it, iatrogenic. In fact, doctors are statistically 9,000 times more deadly than gun owners. So I say let's get some doctor ban legislation going. Yeah, doctor control? Yes, yes. 
girls who undergo chemotherapy and radiation treatments face a 35% chance of developing breast cancer by the time they are 40, which is 75 times greater than average. And get this, mammogram radiation also produces cancer, especially in the breast area. So they tell you why so many cancers are being found in these women who are, women who are being pre-screened because the cancers you have this year are the ones caused by last year's mammogram. Isn't it great how they can just, you know, create these treatments and then therefore use these, their own treatments to create new cancers that they can go and treat right afterwards? It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's quite a scam they have. The risk of leukemia, here's, I'm, I'm going on, Sarah, the risk of leukemia increased markedly four years after ending of, quote, successful treatments and reached a plateau after 14 years, but the risk of developing solid tumors remained high and approached 30% at 30 years. Now, this is what Daniel has to look forward to now. Yes, it is. So his whole life waiting on this time bomb. But he has no right to choose. No, no right to choose. But but I'm not, I'm not done, Sarah. A study of over 10,000 patients shows clearly that chemo's supposedly strong track record for Hodgkin's disease, or lymphoma, is actually a lie. Patients who underwent chemo were 14 times more likely to develop leukemia and six times more likely to develop cancers of the bones, joints, and soft tissues than those patients who did not undergo chemotherapy. The leukemias caused by the treatments are more horrendous and deadly than the original disease. Yep, much, much more. And again, this is what Daniel has to look forward to, waiting for this to happen. Continuing on. When a cancer patient dies of sepsis, it's virtually always because chemotherapy destroyed the patient's immune system, thereby allowing sepsis to easily kill the patient. These are usually counted as sepsis deaths instead of cancer deaths. It is another way whereby the medical community manipulates the statistics and us about the, quote, success of chemotherapy and radiation. But you know, Sarah, it doesn't even end there. If all this weren't bad enough, then there's chemo brain. I'm not sure how many people have heard of that, but it's real. Chemo brain is what happens after chemotherapy, after chemo has literally fried and poisoned your brain. After chemotherapy, a person will remain mentally challenged for the rest of his life. But never have any fear, Sarah, because they conveniently have a multitude of drugs you can buy for the rest of your life to, quote, treat and, quote, manage the chemo brain. I bet they do. You know, they've only just come to recognize that chemo brain even exists. They've been denying it to these patients who've been explaining all these different problems they've been having mm-hmm. and to the families that are coming and saying, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And they're just saying, well, you're crazy. Maybe it's just dementia. Like, Alzheimer's is just dementia. Yeah, that, that's maybe, maybe that's what it is. Uh, and it's unrelated to, to their treatment. Cause, no, it's just, just a coincidence that every patient has it after treatment. Yeah. It's just a coincidence. They get, you know, I guess they just throw those numbers away, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, But... Yeah, notice you don't ever get cured of chemo brain. You can only get treated because you, you don't get cured for anything anymore. They, they're not allowed to do that. No, but you can keep marching for the cure now, everybody. You can send your donations in and you can everyone can march for the cure and we can put these little pink ribbons everywhere on all these chemical-laden products. <laughs> you know, you can have, have these, these cancer donations for Tic Tacs now and stuff, you know. You, you buy some Tic Tacs or some Doritos or something with MSG in them, mm. and that, that'll give you some funding towards the National yeah. Cancer Society. So maybe they'll find that cure, that elusive cure, right? Well, it puts lots of money into the National Cancer Society if you really think about it, because it, it's creating perpetual sc- consumers at the same time. Well, the, the National Cancer Society is like the most lucrative so-called non-profit in existence. The CEO of this, quote, Nonprofit bags over seven hundred thousand dollars a year, and the perks at that company are, are almost limitless. It's like working at Google, Sarah. I, I would, I would love to get a job at the National Cancer Society. It's like the only industry where people aren't being laid off right now, right? It is like the only <laughs> one. <laughs> it is great being there, and and it's ridiculous. It's like they, they've known about the cure since the thirties. Cancer has been curable since the 30s. 
course, what the National Cancer Society doesn't tell you, nor the doctors, nor the FDA, nor your local news anchor for that matter, is that the cure and cause of cancer was discovered in 1931 by a doctor named Otto Warburg. We would guess you've never heard that name before. And before we got educated about alternative medicine, we hadn't either. And if you think it's crazy, you don't believe it, you think we're just conspiracy nuts, let me tell you how mainstream Dr. Otto Warburg was with his cancer cure and his cancer discovery. He won the Nobel Prize. In 1931, he was recognized by the medical community and given the Nobel Prize for this. Then the Rockefellers took over the medical school, and then all, all mention of Dr. Warburg's discoveries just just vanished. How about that? They just completely vanished. And now, supposedly, they can't find the cure. You want me to tell you how easy it is to cure cancer? Oxygen. Oxygen is toxic and poisonous to cancer cells. And if you don't believe me, go to your local library and look up the Nobel Prizes. Look to 1931 and read the research paper. Yeah. You might want to take a couple of cups of coffee with you. Your head will be spinning. But what it breaks down to is cancer cells cannot breathe oxygen. They ferment for energy. Instead of the normal process a normal cell goes through, um, a cancer patient's body cannot absorb oxygen at the same rate because it's got a condition called acid. Anyway, I'm going on and on. Yeah. People can, can look this stuff up if they want. The point is, is this whole scam that there's no cure, they don't know what to do, but yet they're going to continue poisoning people over and over, like, like young Daniel. Yeah. It's sad and sick. It really is horrendous. And it's amazing how simple and cheap some of these cures are that you'll find in alternative medicine. And from what we've been taught about, you know, science and, uh, and medicine, they don't seem to make sense at first, like this whole oxygen thing. You see, when I came over here a couple of years ago, I had pre-diabetes. And that's something that's incurable. It's manageable and it's treatable. It's, but it's, 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 quote, manageable and, quote, treatable, right, Sarah? That's right, Sorry, but it's not They're still curable. looking for the cure, aren't they? Just like with cancer, they're still looking for that cure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I was having uh, circulation problems, cold feet, cold hands. Y- you know, my blood sugar was really high. And I don't have any of those problems anymore. And I'm not taking any insulin. And I'm not doing anything special. The reason that I'm telling you this is because... One of the main cures for diabetes... Brace yourselves, people. ...is sugar. <laughs> and it's not the sugar that you buy, I'm pretty sure. It's known as evaporated cane juice. Mm-hmm. Now, evaporated cane juice is sugar without all the minerals and the vitamins and everything that's good for you taken out. It's sugar before it was bleached. It was sugar when it was good for you. Uh, the way nature made it. Exactly. And it hasn't been it hasn't been cooked to ridiculous temperatures, bleached, it hasn't had chemicals added to it to make it, quote, free-flowing. Well, as, as I like to put it, it's still got God's goodness in it. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And it's really incredible. Diabetes isn't something that those in the alternative community are afraid of or even really get, and neither is cancer. They don't want to get it, Sarah. That's the whole point. Uh-huh. I mean, hell, I mean... They, they can come up with excuses for diabetes, okay? They can pretend like they're just too incompetent or whatever. But the guy won the Nobel Prize. He was recognized worldwide for curing cancer, for finding the cause and the cure, and then it disappeared. And the history books were rewritten. Yeah. I mean, that is a flat-out cover-up. There's no other way to put it, really, is there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, th- there's no way they can pretend incompetence there. It's documented. It's proven. Yeah. Um, just like the studies of how beneficial vitamin C is for cancer patients. Yeah, it's been said to be hugely successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when compared with chemotherapy. I mean, that makes the, the rates of success look even higher, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not even going to comment. I'm not even going to comment. I mean, how I went about curing my pre-diabetes wasn't something complicated or strange. I just switched to a natural diet of ordinary, natural, healthy, and somewhat organic foods, and I was, well, cured. 
I stopped eating, you know, th- these sugar products, these fake sugar products and these synthetic chemicals. Like high fructose corn syrup. Like that. Mm-hmm. And like the gelatin and, you know, that's, that's a whole other story, by the way, Yeah, folks. we're going to get into gelatin later. Yeah. <laughs> but I stopped eating that and I switched to a better diet and I didn't have these problems anymore. Oh, don't, don't forget to mention how you supplemented with sugar for your diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as I just said, you know... Taking a, a small amount of evaporated cane juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'll find that in the ingredients label of certain sugars. Be, be sure to check. Don't buy pure cane sugar. That's not pure. It's synthetic. It's bleached. It is not sugar. Yeah, if it says pure, it's definitely not. Yeah, what you're looking for is raw evaporated cane juice. Look at the actual ingredients. It will spell it out if it is. If it's uh-huh. not, it won't. If it's white, it's not what you want. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> if it's bright white, yeah. There is no such thing in nature as a bright white food. Even rice yeah. in nature isn't bright white. It's bleached. Uh-huh. It's incredible. It is. And people have come to realize, to really think that you have that all these, these bright white. white products like, out like, there. Like you, you grind up wheat and you get white flour. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> Real flour is harmless, relatively harmless. Yeah. You know, relatively. I mean, you with don't want to overdo it with these carbs, but but um, it's the white stuff that's really bad. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's as I've said before, it's like whitey really is keeping us down. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, but one of the worst things you can do if you you're out there and you've got prediabetes is to take insulin, synthetic insulin. Well, that's the only kind you're allowed to take now, Sarah. The natural stuff that was harmless, it was banned. Yeah, I think I remember hearing the, about that. The harmless, all-natural insulins were banned in lieu of the synthetic insulins, which, by the way, could be patented by the pharmaceuticals. Yeah, well, these synthetic insulins will actually stop your pancreas from doing anything. Your pancreas will actually shut down. Yeah, it, it, I think that's the whole point. Yeah, and so you're going to be this perpetual consumer yeah, it will, to their products forever. Yeah, it, it's designed to transform you into a pre-diabetic, into a full diabetic, who is supposedly, quote, Incurable. Yeah, that's the whole. Th- that's the whole story there. Yeah, it's it, it's so sinister and, and horrendous. But anyway, there was this documentary that I remember watching, uh, which was called um, "Going Raw for Thirty Days," I believe, and it was about a group of about thirty to forty different full-blown diabetics. They were on insulin, the synthetic insulin. Their pancreas was shut down. They were completely reliant on all these different medications they've got, and they went raw. No to- tofu, by the way. They went raw on (laughs) organic, good fruits and vegetables. And they were cured. They didn't have diabetes anymore. It was full-blown diabetes. I can't stress that enough. Was it pre-diabetes? No, it It wasn't pre-diabetes. It was the actual disease. And they were completely reliant on both sugars and on, um, on these pharmaceutical poisons. And yet they managed to get off it in 30 days, and their blood sugars were back to normal, and they didn't have any problems. And all it took was a dietary change. You, you notice you never you never see these on any of these health news shows on, on TV. They, <laughs> they they never have these stories, do they? They don't. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Yeah. It's like they'll, they'll have a report from the hospital in between their pharmaceutical commercials. Yeah. Oh, well... If you're listening to this show, the chances are you read the ingredients on your labels, or you at least try to. And if that's the case, then I'm sure that you've seen a product known as gelatin in many of your foods. It's the primary ingredient in Jello and in all those gummy products, gummy bears. Pretty much anything sweet now has gelatin in it. And very few of you probably realize the source of gelatin. 90% of the time, gelatin comes from pig skin. Um, the other 10%, it comes from ground-up cow bones and pig bones. Cartilage, yummy, yummy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I- exactly. Um, anyway, they grind these up all together, and then they boil it. You can just imagine this making it homemade, boiling it in a big pan to get the, the skin. And can the you ha- imagine the smell? Oh, gosh. To get the, the hairs off it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's truly disgusting. You can't have a hair in your gummy bear, Sarah. 
No, but they have to mix it with either a strong acid or a strong base to break down the cellular structures and release these proteins and create these chemical reactions. Basically to melt the skin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once they're boiled it, they get this, this layer of, like, goo on top. I'm not kidding either. It's like a goo on top, which is like a beigey color. And then they take that off, and then they've got gelatin. And then they sell it to you in little packages, or they add artificial flavors and artificial colors to it, to it and then they give it to your kids. Yummy, yummy. Hey, now here's a good one for you. Now you, you don't, it's probably not like this for you for being from England and all, so you, you don't know. But in the United States, when you get really sick... Mm-hmm. And put it in the hospital. That's what you get every day. That's your nutritious food at the hospital. You almost always get jello. Really? I'm not kidding. That's incredible. I've been, you know, since following a good diet, I've been fortunate enough to never been in an American hospital. You are very fortunate. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, just on a little side note here, when we mention gelatin, if it says vegetable gelatin. It doesn't mean anything like what we're talking about here. It's not actually gelatin. It's just a gelling agent which is used. Um, and most of the time they're not bad. You can call a manufacturer and ask them and they have to be honest with you. You can choose either carrageenan or I believe it's peptin. Um, I know they use that in jam and jelly products. Um, but they're two different things, and I thought I'd let you know that. But the majority of the time, it will just say gelatin, and you'll find that in almost all your sweet products now. And it's a really disgusting thing that has all sorts of different health implications. Mm-hmm. you got to wonder, it's kind of like with the, some of the other foods we've talked about, when in the process of making it for the safety of the workers, if they're all w- walking around in spacesuits, probably. If I worked there, I would be. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dealing with these strong acids or these strong bases. Uh-huh. And the flesh that's melting and the fumes coming off of that. My gosh. Oh, boy. One of the major contributing factors towards breast cancer is the deodorants that we use, believe it or not. Uh, most of you probably never looked at the ingredients of a deodorant. But they contain something called propylene glycol. Mm-hmm. Yummy. That's petroleum, in case you weren't aware, and also aluminum. Now, when you put something like under your arm or something for a deodorant, it goes straight through into the breast tissues of a woman. Yeah, it gets absorbed transdermally. These chemicals do. Yeah. I mean, the medical establishment talks about stuff that you put on your skin as if the skin is some great barrier that stops you from absorbing stuff. Yeah. What, what people don't realize is deodorant doesn't have some magical property. They've never really thought it through. Why is it you could spread a chemical into your arm or a set of chemicals and you stop sweating? It just, you know, they think, well, it's, it's like magic. It's great. No, it's, it's not like magic. What it does is it impairs your ability to sweat in much the same way that Botox inhibits your ability to make facial expressions. It's, it's a, a numbing toxin. Yeah. And that's what it does under your arm. It, it has a, well, its toxic effect is what people look for in it. Yeah, and aluminum, of course, is a major contributor towards cancer on its own. And so when you put it there and it's absorbed transdermally, and then it goes straight to the breast tissues in a woman, it's no wonder that our rates of breast cancer are on the rise. And um, Don't forget the mammograms. That helps too, Sarah. And they're helpful in preventing. Okay, that's right. That's what it does. It prevents. <laughs> it prevents. Uh-huh. Let you know the earliest possible sign of any cancer that you get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the reason that I mentioned this was because um, there was a new study at uh, Pennsylvania State University um, saying that two major minerals, zinc and selenium, were great for preventing breast cancer. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, selenium pulls out metals out of the body, which the deodorants puts into your body. Yeah, it, it's very telling, isn't it? <laughs> Kind of like how selenium is great for Alzheimer's patients when Alzheimer's is caused by heavy metal toxicity. Yeah, aluminum, I think, in particular. Yes. Aluminum and mercury combined. It's like the double whammy. Yes. But one of these days, they're going to find the cause and a cure for it, Sarah. Uh, you, just, you just have to keep donating money. Yeah. But um, 
These researchers at Pennsylvania said that uh, zinc deficiency has been implicated as both the initiator of breast cancer and as something which rapidly causes the progression of it for it to get worse. But most of these studies you'll find aren't from the United States. That's a pattern you'll find if you're researching alternative medicine. Yeah, if you go by studies in the United States, you'll just get the party line. Like, they just don't know what's causing this stuff, but just need bukus of more money to figure it out. Um, whereas in other countries, they figured it out a long time ago. You'll find that we figured it out a long time ago in many cases, but it's been covered up. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying stuff... Anyway, scientists in France, mm-hmm. this time, France did the research on breast cancer, and they found that it was to do with the genes. It's not genetic, but it's related to the genes, and it's related to gene malformation due, due to toxins and the lack of zinc. They said that uh, that it's to do with the estrogen receptors, which in, inhabit, inhibit cancer through what they call the zinc finger. They like to use these technical terms, scientists do. Mm-hmm. But a zinc finger is just a group of proteins organized, organized around a zinc ion that binds to DNA and stops it from malforming into these cancerous cells which don't work properly. What do, you, what do you want to bet, from what we know about cancer, that zinc has something to do with the oxygen absorption of cells? Yeah. See, people don't know this, but cancer is a survival mechanism. It's not a, quote, disease. It's a survival mechanism where cells in the body find another way to get energy when they're when they're deprived and starved of oxygen. Well, lots of people don't get enough zinc. I mean, mm-hmm. and zinc is especially for pregnant women. I mean, that, that's the one case where I would suggest that absolutely every pregnant woman should be taking zinc supplementation. Because yeah. if you don't, there's like, I think it's like... Oh, except zinc oxide. Yeah. It's, if you're looking for zinc supplements, just on a side note, look for zinc gluconate. Not mm-hmm. zinc oxide. Zinc oxide is a carcinogen, meaning it causes cancer, not preventing Ironic it. that it's zinc oxide, isn't it? It Truly. is. But, but it's it's not pure zinc and oxygen. It's something made in the chem lab, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but zinc protects against a bunch of cancers. Um, prostate cancer in men, interestingly, because it stops with the hormones. Again, it, you know, when you've got hormone related issues, it usually causes breast cancer in women and prostate cancer in men. That's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when we used to get enough zinc, just like we used to get enough of, well, every other mineral before our soils were depleted, and our diets have changed to processed foods, and our minerals and nutrients yeah. have been actually processed out of them. Probably even got silver in our diet in those days. So it's a good reason to choose organic. Yes, it is. But uh, women with breast cancer also always have very very low selenium levels. Hmm. Um, And when taken alongside vitamin E, selenium is like a massive boost to the immune system, and that alone is known to fight cancer aggressively. Well, selenium pulls out the heavy metals. Yes. And heavy metals cause toxicity. And vitamin E. Acidosis and cancer formation. And at the same time, the vitamin E will boost the immune system. Mm Mm-hmm. Selenium. It's great stuff. But selenium is very, very easily processed out of foods, more than most... Uh, the best source of selenium that we know of is Brazil nuts. Now, it's also found in fish, mm. interestingly enough, aside the mercury. So you're taking mercury in fish, and you're also taking oh. selenium to take it out of there. And it often appears like that in nature, by the way. Even with stuff like MSG, when it appears natu- naturally in foods, it also comes alongside its own antidote. Yeah, that, that is the pattern in the natural world, the unbastardized, unenhanced world. The food chain out there, the natural food chain, every toxin that exists in it exists with its antidote, always. Yeah. Except for certain rare cases like bottom-feeding shellfish. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, are forbidden foods. And mo- well, I know in Christianity, I think maybe even Islam, I'm not sure. Yeah, yes. Um, but the bottom line here is that selenium deficiency, and they call it deficiency is um, related to Alzheimer's disease, prostate cancer, breast cancer, and a bunch of other cancers, which are most commonly caused by heavy metal toxicity, which you can find um, inside your deodorants and many of your foods, like your bread, we'll say sodium, aluminum, phosphate. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's... I think maybe it's an exaggeration to say the heavy metals are the cause. I think it would be more fair to say a contributing factor, because when you really look at cancer, it's usually acidosis. Yeah. And that goes <laughs> that goes much deeper than just heavy metals. Yes. Uh, we would need to do several shows 
on just that topic, wouldn't we? We would. But it's very hard to um, even remove heavy metals if you're so swamped with acidosis and candida, in fact. Mm-hmm. The body is just so swamped. Toxic. Yes, toxic. Well, if you liked the show, and we both hope that you did, you can find more shows on our audio archive. You can visit our website. It's healthwise.org. Remember that wise is spelled W-Y-Z-E, which is to put emphasis on the wisdom. So again, that's healthwyze.org. On our tap menu, there's a link to the audio archive, and then you'll find all of our shows that you can listen to from start to finish. We have a lot of them. You can also visit our online store or donate. We certainly appreciate it whenever you can. And there are ways that you can support us without giving us any money. You can tell your friends and family about us. We don't have a marketing staff. We really do rely on you to spread the word. You can list us in your email signature so that there's a link to us on every email that you send. You can link to us on your website or your blog. You can sign up to our mailing list and you can start discussions there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can help out. We send out an email whenever we put out an article or we publish a new show. So if you want to be updated, that's a good way to get updated. Also, if anybody needs us, if you need to speak to us about any health issue or anything else, you can always go to the Contact Us page on our website and... You can send us an email or you can call us. We do actually answer the phone. People are really shocked when they find out that we do, but we are actually here. We're human. Well, I guess that's about it, Thomas. Toodaloo. Bye.